This is Christine Brown, and while I have to listen to this podcast as my motherly duty, you have the choice not to. My sons sometimes say some naughty things when they're trying to be funny, but really, they're just being stupid. You still want to listen? Go right ahead. I am not your mother. Welcome back to the Patriots Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Brown. Uh, we have a special edition this week. Uh, we're taking a little quick break from the uh, usual game recaps. Uh, we were in 2005, um, but we thought we would uh, talk to somebody who was there uh, in 2005 and was playing in these games. So um, I'm not talking about Greg Brown. He's decided to skip this, but uh, I do have uh, Steve Brown with me and Tim, the intern. But enough about them. Let's introduce you to our uh, special guest. Tonight we have with us Tyrone Poole, uh, two-time Super Bowl champion, former Patriots, former lots of teams, actually. Um, and kind of all-around good human, Tyrone Poole. Thanks for, thanks for joining us, Tyrone. Uh, thank you, Andrew. Uh, thank you, Steve, Cam. Thank you, guys, and all of uh, uh, the Patriots fans uh, that watch the show. Uh, uh, it's an honor. It's an honor. Thank you guys for giving me the opportunity. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah, you don't have to lie to us, Tyrone. It's not really an honor. <laughs> oh, no. Anytime, you know, that's just who I am. You know, it's always an honor, really, uh, to to uh, be able to talk to uh, the fans or whomever may listen to the show. Because every time, uh, it's like a smile, you know. Uh, yeah. Or, as they would say, you never get an opportunity to make a another first impression. So, you know, people are always going to remember uh, the moments of how you made them feel. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, it's always an honor to be able to share uh, and reminisce, you know, <laughs> present and past uh, information. So, yeah, it is an honor. Cool. I love that. Um, so, yeah, uh, I kind of speaking of reminiscing, kind of want to obviously, you know, we're the Patriots Dynasty podcast, um, so we'll talk about the past, but I kind of want to just maybe even start a little bit before that and kind of want to know, like, what got you into football? What made you passionate about playing football, like, as a career? How'd that start? Yeah, well, what, what, what got me into football? I, I think, honestly, all males and you have females playing sports as well you know sometimes they come up in households where uh you know it's an athletic athletic family uh but i came up as an only child and uh my only competition was my environment um but in the neighborhood we played man we played um uh we would just play sandlot football you know, wherever there was there was grass, you know, we would play, um, you know, in the streets. You know, the only thing about playing in the streets is when a car comes down the road, we have to stop the game. Everybody go to their sides <laughs> like an ox and you go to your side, that car pass by and then we start back playing. But um, I think every young, young male grows up watching sports on television and uh from that moment of seeing sports on television, which I ran track, uh, I played football as well. Uh, probably could have played baseball, but um, you know, football was one of those sports where we played it almost every day in the neighborhood. So uh, not only seeing it on television, which back in the day when I came up, 
um, you you would only see the Dallas Cowboys, you know, yeah. uh, television. So you either loved the Cowboys or you hated the Cowboys. But <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm from Georgia, uh, uh, um, Lagrange, Georgia. Uh, so for those who don't know, uh, Lagrange is about about an hour and uh, 15 minutes uh, southwest of Atlanta. So I grew up watching the Atlanta Falcons too, you know, mm -hmm. and all that red, the red uniform, oh, you yeah. know. But um, yeah, so that's how it kind of started, just growing up watching it on television and going outside playing it with uh, arguably some of the greatest uh, uh, people in my neighborhood, guys that were faster than me. So if anybody thought I was fast or, or strong or quick, <laughs> wow, you should have laid eyes on some of the guys who used to beat me and run it. <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel like that's kind of what, because um, I mean, we, we have uh, a baby brother who kind of grew up playing with us too, but we were, we were kind of the same sort of thing. He was always playing with the, the faster, bigger kids, and uh, he is the only one in the family that actually went on to play sports in college um so I, I feel like there's something to that of being able to like kind of spend all that time playing with people that make you up your game constantly and then you get to the people that are your same age or whatever it is and you've kind of got this uh advantage over them yeah i don't know andy we weren't very fast or strong or big let's be real I wasn't talking about us. I'm talking about our friends that we play with. <laughs> you know, you guys know the funny thing. You know, Andrew, you 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 mentioned playing with guys that are older, um, and that is how I believe I was. I kind of separated myself from my other peers mm. uh, because when you play with older kids, uh, they have the advantage not only from maturity, uh, but you know, just the ability to just physically throw you around. And, and, yep. and basically that's what they did. You know, we played with the older kids and, you know, they grab you and throw you around. And, uh, you know, it made me tougher. So take it know, guys, my age is like, it's like me and amongst boys because I was being trained by the older kids in the neighborhood exactly. to be able to dominate the kids uh, the same age. Yeah, that's how that's that's why I take credit for Greg's uh, athletic accomplishments. <laughs> <laughs> you made him the man that uh, he is now. <laughs> Do you really want that on your record, Andy? <laughs> that's what you're going. That's what you're going down for. Uh, uh, so, so, so Tyrone, um, uh, as far as the other sports go, um, playing baseball, what, what what position were you when you played baseball? Well, again, uh, did I didn't play organized? Okay, uh, nothing organized. Yes, but 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 um, when we did select teams, because you know you always have like the two best athletes, really, right? You don't want to put them on the same team, right? Right. right. So they would actually have to pick teams, yeah. all right. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I was one of those guys. Okay, Tyrone, you pick a team, and mm -hmm. uh, such and such, you pick a team. But when I did play, um, I love pitching. I love pitching. I love pitching. But all right. Uh, yeah, but I would be like on first base, first base or either a shortstop. So it was either uh, pitching, uh, first base or either shortstop. All right. Do you have a um, like a, a sports hero growing up that you looked up to? Oh, yeah. Again, like I said, I grew up uh, watching the Dallas Cowboys and uh, Tony Dorsett, Tony Dorsett. Um, um, 
And uh, I think actually Ty, I think Ty Law and, uh, you know, the Dorset family, I think they're kind of like uh, uh, got some relation, family relationship uh, going on there, okay. uh, history of their family. Uh, mm-hmm. So Tony Dorset, uh, Dallas Cowboy, number 33. So I used to take a T-shirt and um, whenever we would go out and play, uh, I would take a crayon or a marker and I would put 33 on the front and 33 on the back and write Dorset. And uh, yeah, so um, that that was the guy that um, I tried to say I was Tony Dorset. Yeah. So, yeah. So then how did you end up with number 38 in the pros? Just because 33 uh, wasn't available or was there another reason for 38? Yeah, you know, it's a little bit of history with that as well. Um, i when I played in high school, I was 21, 21. Hmm. And um, I walked on. I actually quit football in high school. Oh. Football in high school still made it to the pros. So that, you know, <laughs> tell everybody that you can mess up in life and you still, if you know where you're going, you still can make it to your destination, okay? Yeah, uh, that's you can the alternate route, but you still can make it. Um, but 21 was my number in high school. And then when I got to college, I walked on at Fort Valley State, uh, HBCU, uh, Division II, and they gave me the number 29, 29. Um, And then when I went to the Senior Bowl, the Senior Bowl, uh, somebody else had 29 and they gave me 28, all right? So uh, now I have 28. So if you look at all my Senior Bowl uh, cards, it has jersey number 28. So when the Panthers uh, drafted me, uh, and I never really talked to the Panthers, never talked to them during the combine, really? never talked to them, period. All of a sudden, I know that they're drafting me. So <laughs> this, this draft coming up, you know, some yeah, players yeah. will get chosen. They never talk to the team. That's but uh, when they drafted me, somebody else had 28. Okay, somebody else had 28. So they ended up giving me 38. So that's how I came about the number 38. Mm-hmm. So and uh, when you when you played for the Patriots, did that ever come up that you got picked one pick before Ty Law? Did yeah. you ever bring that up to him? No, no. Uh, actually, you know, Ty and I go back into the um, you know all the way back to the combines, and uh, mm-hmm. you know we got our stories there. And um, you know, I, I I'll tell you this. Um, you know, sometimes I think you can get drafted into a system that really doesn't fit your skills. And it's going to be a lot of players that's going to, that's going to happen to them as well. Yeah. You know, teams are going to draft them because they are the best um, uh, possible athlete. Uh, but do they fit that system? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, coming out of Fort Valley, um, we played nothing but man-to-man. Man to man, that's how we played. Man to man coverage. I didn't know anything about zone. I'm like, we only play zone when we had the game won, and it's about three minutes left in the game. We sit back in a cover three. But other than that, <laughs> it was like you go get him, you go get him. Yeah. So I was great at man to man coverage. Um, mm-hmm. And when I got to New England, uh, actually, um, that was probably the. Let me go back. Let me go back before I got to New England uh, with the Denver Broncos. Uh, Ray Rose. I don't know if anybody, you guys remember Ray Rose, but Ray Rose uh, had a stint as a coach with the 49ers uh, Mm -hmm. back in the Bill Walsh days. And then he was a coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. uh, And then he was the defensive coordinator, uh, my defensive coordinator out with the Broncos. Mm -hmm. And um, 
you know, Ray Bob, as we call him, Ray Bob. And uh, he got a lot of stories, man. I love Ray Rose. Uh, he's a great player's coach because uh, he played the game as well. So yeah. Ray was all about running man to man. So his system just fit me like hand in glove, man. Uh, but my previous teams, nothing against, you know, none of those teams, nothing against the, the, the Panthers. I love my years in the Panthers. Uh, love my years with the Colts. Uh, but uh, they were more the fire zone, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. So really, you're not truly playing man to man. Um, but then when I got to New England from Denver, Denver, we all man to man. And then we get to New England, uh, Bill, um, you know, allowed me and Ty to play man to man, you know, uh, previously, uh, Ty would go from one side to the other. Yeah. Uh, but Bill felt like, Hey, you know, when I got there in 2003 that, you know, Hey, we both can stay on our respective sides and, uh, whoever we get, that's who we get, you know? Uh, so that was fun, but, uh, yeah, Ty and I go back to the, um, you know, the um, um, combines. combines. Yeah, the combines. But, uh, you know, again, I'll say this. I'll let you guys ask your next question. Um, coming from an HBCU, uh, it was a whole lot of pressure, man, a whole lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, and when I say pressure, it was more pressure mentally. Nothing physically, nothing physically. I'm like, you know, I'm covering arguably one of the best receivers twice a year, Jerry Rice, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you got to get your track shoes on when you cover that. Uh, you know, so um, it wasn't the physical play that was tough. It was the mental. You know, the, the playbook in college was like man to man. It was like, you know, yeah. that thick. And then you get to the pros and it's like that thick. And, you yeah. know, one movement or one shift by one person or running back motioning out to the right or to the left or yeah. tight end getting up, moving over or receiver, uh, you know, forming twins. It changes the whole complexity of the defense. And you could be on the strong side, that motion. Now you're on the weak side, which now you got to go to a whole different technique. So that was kind of like my struggle uh my first second year third year and really i didn't catch on to the game until maybe my fifth year uh but by really? the end, you know the Panthers had given up on me and uh hey this kid is not gonna you know he's not gonna get it man it wasn't it had nothing to do with my physical skills right. it was the mental so that's why um i always try to tell these young kids from hbcus that you know you got to study the game the game is, is so complex now, do they have the physical skills to play it? Yes. Uh, but it's the mental that sometimes doesn't give, uh, you know, those athletes uh, that opportunity because you're not you're not getting reps anyways. When you go into a camp, you're probably going to be a low draft pick. So low draft picks don't get a lot of reps doing mini camps. So how are you going to learn? You right. know, but anyways, uh, uh, back to the point. Um, uh, but, yeah, coming from HBCU to see Carolina jump up, you know, uh, so many spots. Uh, I'm like, you know, at that time, I didn't know, you know, what type of skills I had, but evidently they did. Yeah. And um, I played my best ball, one of my best seasons when I got to New England and Bill again, yeah. same thing Ray Rose did. He said, we're going to play man to man. Yeah, we drop off and cover two, you know, every once in a while. But really, man to man, that's how we played in cover uh, in 2003. We called it dog one. So let Willie McGinnis and Mike Vrabel and uh, let them guys go from the side and, you know, put pressure on the quarterback and, you know, we cover them up on the outside. So it was fun. So Did Belichick uh, teach it any different than other coaches? Yeah, that was going to be my question. Uh, you know, uh, 
every coach has their own, um, should I say, their own identity. Hmm. And uh, I played for some great coaches. Uh, Dom Capers. Dom Capers. Uh, I think Dom Capers, the coach of Carolina, he was a true uh your responsibility, you know, do your job, so to speak. The way they say in New England, do your job. Well, Dom Capers with that Blitzburg defense or the zone blitz defense, it was predicated on every person being in their gap and doing what you're supposed to do. You know, if you're supposed to be in the A gap, stay in the A gap. If you're in the B gap, stay in the B gap, C gap. Don't do somebody else's job. That's how that zone blitz is, is basically – uh, it maximizes itself. Uh, so uh, Dom was more of a, uh, you know, X's and O's guy. Uh, when I played for Mike Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, uh, Denver Broncos, he was more of a player's coach, meaning he'll treat you like a man. He treated everybody like men. And, and uh, he gave some rules. And as long as you stay within those rules, it was fun. So I always say that Mike Shanahan added years. He'll add years to your career, you know, where there's some coaches, they just straight take years away from your <laughs> career. Uh, when it comes to Belichick, Belichick was uh, probably one of the greatest coaches that I've come across that was able to make adjustments, make adjustments. I'm like, I thought he was uh, phenomenal at making adjustments. I'm like, we would be on the sideline and if something is not working, you know, that's why I always tell people now when we're watching any of the Patriots games, I say, uh-oh, Bill over there talking to him. Yeah. <laughs> Bill talking to him. Whatever they did previously, they're about to change it. So, <laughs> well, but, uh, but, yeah, he's a great um, uh, uh, adjustment maker uh, uh, of the game. So, you know, I played for some pretty good, pretty good coaches, learned something from all of them. Do you have any good uh, Belichick stories from your time there? Wow, you know, again, um, I guess, you know, I'm going to clear the air on this. A lot of people think uh, that Belichick is that uh, guy who, like, does he ever smile? Does he ever, you know, the times that I was in New England, uh, I liked it. I liked it. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, but he was the type of guy that um, he had his funny moments. He had his funny moments. Um, I think I thought he was a good motivator as well. You know, he would come in on um, uh, uh, Wednesday's uh, practice, which is usually the first actual official practice preparation for Sunday's game. And he would always have his film. And these are the people that we need to stop. You know, uh, this guy, he would always have his stories about each guy that we need to stop, you know. And uh, but there's one particular game we're playing against the um, uh, the uh, Colts in the um Actually, it might have been the, it's the 2005, it'll be the 2005 uh, uh, AFC Championship game. The oh, 2003 yeah. season rolls into the 2004, and then 2004 season rolls into the 2005, even though it's a 2004 season. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's funny how that thing works. But uh, yeah. either way, we're playing the uh, Colts. And um, I always tell people Belichick is always, always in the game. And um, uh, Peyton tries to throw a seven route, a corner route to Marvin Harrison um, on the left side of the defense. And um, Rodney Harrison and, and Ty Law are, are on that side. So uh, the ball gets picked off. And a lot of people probably see this video. 
he picks the ball off. Ty Law picks the ball off, you know, keeps his balance. And uh, Marvin uh, uh, Rodney hits uh, Marvin Harrison, and he goes out of bounds right beside Belichick. And um, you don't really see it, you know, from the cameras that they show you on television. You actually got to see it from the coach's cam, you know, which shows you everything. Yeah, yeah. And it's just amazing how this guy was into the game, even at that moment. And um, because Marvin had gone out of bounds on our sideline, you know, Marvin is the only one uh, in my eyes um, that could catch or try to make a play on time. So, you know, Belichick, you know, being the smart coach he is, you know, creates a little bit of, 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 of I call it just being in repositioning himself so <laughs> that, you know, Marvin had to actually run through him uh, to get there. Uh, and then another situation that just shows how Belichick is so smart. Uh, and he's always into the game. We're playing the Denver Broncos in 2003. And uh, we're down, I think, um, uh, oh, the intentional safety game, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yep. That was a smart move because he felt and that's just how good our defense was. And I, and I tell people, yes, you know, Tom, Tom is one of the best quarterbacks I ever played, played with. You know, I played with Peyton Manning in his, his rookie year. Uh, uh, I got stories about Peyton. Uh, got stories about Tom. But uh, in 2003, I felt like our defense was the strongest, uh, you know, point of that season. But in that Denver Bronco game, uh, yeah, Bill elected to go for the uh, safety, uh, yep. which gave Broncos, the Broncos more points but yeah. actually bought us more yards so we could do a free kick from the 20 because if not, if he had not given the safety or told a snapper to snap the ball through the uprights, then our punter would have been punting from the back of the end zone, which yeah. Bronco probably would have got the ball around the 50 and then boom, you know, a couple of plays here and there, they kick a field yeah, goal or run the clock yeah. out. So we get the free kick at the 20, uh, uh, Delta O'Neal, uh, basically, uh, I underestimates the uh, ball and it hits and start rolling and our defense went out there and went three and out and uh, actually um, you know they didn't move the ball at all the Broncos didn't move the ball at all no, they, they end up punting the ball we get the ball back on a 50 and yep. then we go down and score a touchdown and win the game so I'm like you know that was good on the field adjustment and knowing what's going on to put your team in a situation to win so yeah a lot of great stories the real question though is how's he going to feel about you showing up to this podcast a little bit late <laughs> you know, you know what they say it's better late than never right <laughs> the best act if you look at all kinds of concerts they never bring the true act on until oh steve <laughs> way he to go you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so uh Tyrone, so we just uh, reviewed week two of uh, 2005, mm. and uh, in preparation for that, I found some interesting, um, an interesting article in the Boston Globe. Well, had let's, to do let's with tell them that it was, uh, it was against the Panthers. Uh, it was the Super Bowl rematch from right, 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 right. Yep. season. So, uh, hold on. Yeah, so I, uh, I found a quote from him that he was saying uh, in preparation to that week two game. Um, he said about you, he said that, uh, you had spit on him, uh, in the Super Bowl after the first drive. And he said, uh, about you, he said, um, 
Then he started calling me names. He's a Christian and he wasn't cursing at me, but he was just calling me some names that in my book was still cussing. Uh, so I said, look here, dog, you're going to shut up and I'm going to make you shut up. I was hot. I was very hot. Do you ever hear anything about him saying that about you? You know what? People will say, um, you know, what they say. At the end of the day, what I believe is that we are all uh, one fraternity. Uh, we're football players, just like you guys. You guys are one fraternity. You guys are reporters. Uh, so your job is to create stories. Our job is when we're on that field, we're brothers. Yeah, we're playing against one another. We get in heated situations. But at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, will we help each other in a tough situation or a situation where, you know what, on the field we were uh, gladiators, but off the field, you know what, hey, how can I help you, my brother? That's what I I, I see, and that's what I hear. So at the end of the day, you guys are the one that pepper, pepper, you know, you kind of pepper and, you know, you want to get stories. It's like you guys are the ones that want to raise the dead. And uh, but I understand that's what you do. And that's what you guys are called to do. Uh, but it's just like anything, you know, hey, things happen. Uh, heat of the moment. Uh words are said or in an article, whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, um, you look at everybody's heart and everybody's mindset, then yes, you know what? We all love each other. So that's why I say we're all one big fraternity. And when you get on the field, uh, I don't care if it's against your brother. You know, you're going to be competitive. Uh, you're going to say things. Especially against matter. your brother. So <laughs> at the end of the day, um, you know, hey, it's, it's war. It's war, and uh, but at the when things are over, you know it's all love. It's all love. So, um, but like I said, I'm pretty sure you know there's nothing but love. I'm pretty sure if Steve saw me um, uh, on the side of the road, and uh, I said, "Hey, flagged him down." Yeah, you know what? Um, he'll help out. Or if I saw him in a situation, I think we would sit and we would help each other out. So it's only the media that uh, wants to create chaos because we get it. We get it 100 percent. That's why you guys never really get true answers out of us, because you guys are not really digging for the truth. What you're doing is you're trying to uh, promote. And you actually we all know that negativity sells papers. And if you got negative, um, you know, that's what, what what happens. But I like the way you guys try to try 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 to pull that in. in. <laughs> we just wanted to do it. We have your back in this 100%, just yeah. so you know. <laughs> I put it to you like this there is no story. There is no okay. story. It's not All right. And it's, uh, uh, I don't know if I like to be lumped in with media here. Like, I know, yeah. It's really just mom who listens to us. <laughs> you, are, you, are, you are media. Shout out, mom. Yeah, you, are, you are media. Let's be, uh, let's be honest. So. I'm, I'm, I'm oh, yeah. media as well. I'm media as well. You know, I do. I do podcast shows too. So, uh, you know, I can easily turn around and say, hey, you know what? There's this guy, uh, Steve, on this uh, uh, Patriots uh, uh, podcast. You know, that guy is no good, man. You <laughs> wouldn't be the first. <laughs> yeah, get in line, Tyrone. <laughs> He doesn't look like he brushes hair, and he doesn't, uh, look like he uh, may have some, uh, uh, some, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, the media too. But the point is, what we try to do in the media is, you know, just to 
understand and let the fans help the fans understand. Yeah. Uh, you know, just like with Ray Lewis, you know, people still try to bring stuff up about Ray. Yeah, you know? that's true. Uh, but I, you know, people don't talk about the good things or what they try to do, just like what, you know, anybody, I'm not going to point you guys out, but anybody, you know, they try to lull you to sleep, get you in. And normally, be honest with you, I always try to ask people, okay, when you do an interview, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? Yeah. Because you never want to be, you know, uh, hit with something from left field. And that's just called, you know, respect. And um, so that's how you get people to come back. And that's how you get people to say or tell other players, you know what, man, don't even mess around with that. But uh, at the end of the day, like I said, no matter anybody, you uh, and Andy, uh, Andrew, uh, Kim, you know, Steve, that's something in your past that, you know, the reason why nobody know about it, because don't nobody know who you are, you know, but if somebody were to dig into your past, and they'll find out maybe, Steve, maybe you uh, uh, dated somebody who was underage, you know, uh, you know, but they poop with the door about open all the time. Know about Steve, but, but <laughs> like I just want to yeah. clarify, I, I would have started out with that. I, I, had I known that that was something that you wanted, uh, Tyrone, but I, I just found it interesting uh, when we were leading up to that. Yeah, no wasn't trying to catch off. Wasn't trying to catch off guard with that or anything. Were games against your former teams different in any way? Like, would you gear up a little bit more for them, or was it just another game? Again, I think uh, people actually, uh, you always want to show up, and you want to show out. And if you have a brother, uh, I think you want to um, always show your brother that you're better than your brother. Or, again, if you've been in a past relationship, and say your ex she shows up with a guy who looks a ton better than you <laughs> and you know you're going to try to put your best foot forward or vice versa uh if you uh have now a guy can have found another girl and his previous girlfriend if they're at the same event she's going to make sure that she's looking her best so i just think that's human human yeah. humanistic that's a human characteristic that we show up and uh, if we are going against someone that we're familiar with, that we're going to make sure that we always uh, put our best foot forward. I agree. Um, although, it's easy to show up your brothers when they're Andy and Greg, though. Just showing up shows them up. <laughs> Say that one again. I didn't hear you. It's easy to show up my brothers. It's not, though. Not when you're you, Steve. Good effort, though. Um, so... I think we've covered most of your uh, Patriots career, but you've been doing a ton after football. Um, so, I, like we we were, you know, we all kind of went down the rabbit hole of all the different things that you've been doing since football, um, and it's quite a list. Um, you've written a book. Uh, you do athletic and football training. Uh, you do keynote speaking. You were on American Ninja Warrior at the age of 47, which uh, I think the three of us will be lucky if we make it to the age of 47, never mind compete at an athletic event. Um, so I think that's really cool. Uh, but I couldn't actually find the full um, the full episode of that American Ninja Warrior. So I was curious how... Uh, how you actually fared because it just showed like the beginning the intro of it and it didn't actually show you doing the competition so i was kind of left in a, a cliffhanger so wondering how that worked out 
Well, you probably have to take that up with uh, the Ninja Warrior uh, company. Oh, uh, I will write them a letter. Don't you worry. Yeah, I probably want to write them a letter. Yeah. Uh, but I made it to the finals. Uh, oh, wow. like, definitely watch it. To the finals. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. That's super rough. Also, I just wanted to point out um, when I was watching that video, uh, the video I was uh, the the view number three hundred twenty eight, which felt poetic, because um, every time I see the number three twenty eight come up, uh, that is just the it, it's it's attached to the Patriots now with that uh, Falcons comeback twenty eight three baby yeah yeah um so yeah do do you have kind of um I guess we, uh, we we kind of uh, asked for questions too from from some of our uh, I don't know if they actually listen, but we'll we'll call them listeners. Um, and one of them was, uh, "What would you say is your greatest accom- accomplishment this far in your life, be it football or not football?" What was my accomplishment? Crazy accomplishment. Yeah, your kind of your greatest accomplishment so far in your life. So far in life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, glad you guys actually said that. So, um, you know, what I'm about to present, um, you mentioned some of the things, but, uh, one of the things I have, um, I created my own label, my own company, uh, uh, worked at things supplements, um, uh, you know, for over 22, 22 plus years, um, uh, fitness, my body was my business. So, um, what my daughter and I have created is a company called work that thing. Um, and uh, supplements, um, health products, and apparel. So um, I said it is crazy, but it's something that um, it's a generational thing that, you know, not only does it give her an opportunity to go into, because she's an athlete herself, mm-hmm. uh, she runs track uh, the 400, uh, 200, uh, great little uh, young female athlete. So she is now in entrepreneurship. So she now can build her own image up and now she can sell and be the face of her own company and actually sell her products to other athletes. Uh, Cause just like we all go and try to find athletes to promote our products. Again, she is the face of her own company and she can always, people ask her, Hey, how do you run so fast? Well, my supplement company, I take my own supplements. So um, that's a great thing. Um, the other thing is basically, um, you know, we created our um, own um, cross trainers, cross trainers. So, um, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, well, we have our own uh, mm-hmm. shoe as well. So uh, entrepreneurship, basically it's called Work That Thing Cross Trainers. Um, so it's a very unique, very unique shoe. Very. This is the first, the first round okay. uh, of shoes. Um, great cross trainer. And what we also doing with this, we are giving uh, back to the um, um, underserved communities. Hmm. So what we ask people to do, and you guys, there's three of you guys, you guys can more than welcome. You can go to Tyrone Pool Thirty Eight Foundation, and um, we're asking people to help sponsor. Uh, the shoes so that we can give them away for free to the underserved communities. Um, oh, cool. uh, I'm doing a lot of stuff in my uh, hometown of LaGrange, Georgia, um, and actually um, Atlanta. And what I want to do is go to all the cities that I played in. So we're coming to Boston, uh, Carolina, Indianapolis, and the foundation um, 
is basically giving back uh, to the community, you know, giving back to the community. So, um, yeah, so some of the crazy things that, you know, uh, we've done, I've done uh, life after football uh, is to help impact people's lives and to, uh, you know, let them know, like I said, I quit football in high school. So to let them know that you still can make it, even though you mess up. And in, in closing, you know, it comes with uh, your own box um, that actually I signed it. I signed the box. So uh, this becomes a great uh, trading card because there would never be another pair of work that thing uh, shoes, at least not the first original pair. You may get the second, third, fourth, but you would never get the first original pair. It's like the first original pair of Jordans. You know, there would never be another original pair of Jordans. That is true. Uh, so, those, so those are some of the things that, um, you know, me and my kids are doing and, uh, you know, trying to teach them how to be and have an impact uh, on society. So, if you want to call that crazy, then uh, oh, not at all. like Beyonce say, I'm crazy, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, how many pairs have you bought already? Uh, well, we're definitely we're definitely going to sponsor one uh, as a podcast. We'll we'll do that so we can absolutely get one of these. My own pair, give it away to somebody who deserves it. Uh, and also, I appreciate you guys, even with the uh, even with the book. You know, yeah. even with the book. I'm like, uh, you know, it's a great, powerful read. Uh, um, you know, it says ultimate success in the game of life, but really, uh, ultimate success is not about money. Ultimate success is about when you achieve what you set out to do, even though there were obstacles and opposition and uh, things that tried to hinder you. Um, that's where you have ultimate success. Um, so whether it's in sports, uh, you know, we had ultimate success in winning Super Bowls. Uh, when other teams were trying to hinder, trying to stop, uh, delay, uh, they could delay us, but could not deny us. So basically, that's what this book is all about. Uh, 12 dynamic principles that help you understand how to uh, have ultimate success in your life. And one thing I do know is that life is principles. Life is based off of principles. We all have our different experiences with those principles, but we all going to go through the same principles, some type of trial, test, or temptation. Okay, we just go through the different experiences. But in this book, uh, I just share some of the things that I overcame, you know, financially uh, in poverty, financial uh, uh, lack of finances, but that didn't stop me. Uh, quit football in high school, that didn't stop me. Um, went to an HBCU, that didn't stop me. Uh, got traded from... Carolina to Indianapolis, that didn't stop me. So in life, you're going to have obstacles. The key is, do you have the right tools to help you overcome uh, those uh, situations and those oppositions? So uh, that's what the purpose of ultimate success in the game of life is. So you guys can check that out as well at TyronePool38.com. Uh, so oh, I would yeah. tell people, if you can remember my name, first name, my last name, and my football number, then you got my website. Yeah, we'll we'll put those in the show notes too. All right, so people have it; they can click on it. That's awesome. I appreciate that, guys. Huh? See, Andy, there's hope for you to do every single game from the Patriots dynasty as an episode. <laughs> we only have five hundred thirty-eight more, whatever it might be. Yeah, no, we can definitely do this. I feel uh, much more inspired now. Uh, so this is great. Uh, so, all right, we, we've taken enough of your time, Tyrone. Thank you so much for 
for being here. Uh, boys, did you have any last questions you had for Tyrone before we let him go? No, I've already asked my stupid question. Yeah, <laughs> or me questions. Too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, Tyrone, thank you so much for being here. Uh, this was a, a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Um, good luck with all of your uh, stuff you got going on. And um, do you have any predictions for the Patriots before we let you go this season? For this season? Yeah. Uh, you know, actually, you know, football is one of those games that I tell people, you you got to play it on the field. Uh, Roster-wise, you know, everybody can look good. I've been a part of teams where, you know, we had talent, uh, but there was no chemistry. There was no chemistry. And uh, the, the, the team, if the Patriots continue to develop that chemistry and continue to bring talent on, of course you need talent to win, but you also got to have that um, – chemistry uh with the team so uh i believe that you know bill is coming down to the end of his um you know his legacy mm -hmm. and uh, he's been coaching for a long time i think bill's like 70 something years old so um i do believe that he wants to uh you know lead the game on top and he's gonna give those guys everything that he can so um i think the patriots are gonna have a real good season but it's gonna be tough because everybody is getting better even the detroit lions are getting better so uh, that says a lot about where football has uh moved into it's true <laughs> yeah they are they are a bellwether for the nfl and its success all right great um well thank you again we really appreciate this and until next week we will see you later all right see you later. thank you guys again hey thanks, thanks that was awesome thank you really appreciate it